Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. that I'm always a little concerned about keeping continuity between those two services and that thought. So I'm just going to ask you today, if you will, to pray and ask the Lord to help us just to stay connected in the service from beginning to end. Amen. And I will just pick up uh, where we leave off here today. The book of Joshua, chapter 24, and we're going to read verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And then the most famous line of all, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so with the help of the Lord today, I want to simply preach to you from this subject, and that is decision time, decision time. I feel a very sobering spirit in my heart. I feel an alarm in my spirit, and I've just asked the Lord to help me today to deliver what I feel like the Lord laid on my heart the very beginning on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, Tuesday basically, and uh, ask God to just touch us together. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for your help here this morning, and I'm asking you to let this forever settled word touch our heart and our lives And I pray today that as the coals of fire were to the lips of Jeremiah, I pray, God, that that coal of fire will be that to my lips today, to touch my mind and my spirit and to touch everyone in this place. Help us not to just be here in attendance for attendance sake, but I pray that your holy word will be a hot brand of fire upon our heart and our lives and strengthen us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I think it is, um, for the most part, well known where we are 
in, in Scripture at least uh, in this setting. I want to back up just a little bit and, and kind of bring us up to speed and uh, where the events that brought us to our text here today. Moses had essentially led a homeless nation, an entire nation of people that were homeless. He led them out of Egypt. It was in Egypt, people had been enslaved for several generations. And God demonstrated his miraculous power in their deliverance. They didn't just slip out under the cover of night or in some shadowy moment, but God mightily brought them out of the land of Egypt. If you, um, if you read your Bible through every year, we, try, we have a systematic program to do that, the bread program, and I hope you participate in that or at least uh, some systematic way of reading through the Bible. It's amazing to me every year when I begin to read about this Exodus journey out of Egypt and how uh, you would think that with just one plague it would have been enough that Pharaoh said, Uncle... I've had all I want. But even when he would acquiesce in that moment, his heart was so hardened. And uh, so God demonstrated his power uh, to the children of Israel and even to the enemy nation by those 10 plagues. He also demonstrated his power to the children of Israel through the parting of the Red Sea. He certainly exposed his strength when he made provision for them to have fresh manna from heaven every day. All of these are miraculous things. They needed water, and so the Lord provided water from the rock that followed them wherever they went. God even provided for them, as some have said, a supernatural GPS system <laughs> in that when it was time to move in the day, he gave them a cloud, and if they were to move at night, he gave them a pillar of fire. And so this, this is not something that, this is not a shadowy existence. This is not something that played out on the wings of maybe or hope so. But by leading them with this cloud of, in the day and by fire at night and by delivering them through the Red Sea and the provision of food and the provision of water, it still did not lead to a lot of faith in this particular body of people. And that seems almost unbelievable. They still didn't have a lot of faith. As a matter of fact, they constantly whined and cried. The Bible calls it in the King James Version, they murmured. That's a serious word, a very serious word because a God of great patience and tolerance was just turned wrong side out more than once over the murmuring of the people. Amen, and, and it was, they murmured because they didn't believe. They murmured because of their lack of faith. And so because of that, God in his frustration caused them to wander in the wilderness for nearly 40 years, or, or at least that whole generation that complained and murmured against the Lord. He said, you're not going into the promised land. And so from a certain age down, they were the only ones that were spared. Moses and his generation, that entire generation, died before entering the land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. Joshua was the replacement for Moses as the leader of God's people. And, and in fact, Joshua was the man that led the children of Israel to the promised land. 
By the time we come to Joshua chapter 24, at this point now, Joshua himself is an old man. Joshua had led a great life of faith. He had been a, a, a stellar example. I don't use that word loosely, but he had been a great example of what God could do in the life of just mere humanity. At this particular part in the story, Joshua has been a great leader. He's not just been badged with some superficial title, but at this particular point in the story, Joshua has been a general for many years, and he has led them through many wars. And so he is a proven leader. I, I can safely say that the man in question here today was a man among men and a leader among leaders. He had fought off hostile tribes who had sought to destroy the children of Israel. He had seen the walls of Jericho come thundering down in a nothing less than miraculous fashion. He fought countless battles. To be sure, this great man, Joshua, bore the scars of many battles, not just physical scars. I'm, I'm led to believe that he would certainly have been wounded at some point in battle, have some, something that would remind him of some of the literal and physical battles that he, that he had gone through. But, but in all of this, there was a lot of wisdom that was born and faith that grows and deepens with the struggles of life. And so Joshua, though an elderly man, was, was not a man to be taken lightly. He was not a voice to be ignored. He's no longer physically a powerful force to be reckoned with. Perhaps his stature is bowed just a little bit with time and age and maybe his brow is sunburned and his hands far more callous than they've ever been. Maybe he did not have the, the voice today that he had once had literally in times past. But Joshua nevertheless was still a man among men and a leader among leaders. He didn't tiptoe around what he wanted to say. I don't think anyone needed to try to find a commentary. I don't think there was any discussion after Joshua made the, the statements that we picked up on in two verses. I don't think there was a, a discussion around the fire about wondering what was on Joshua's mind today. I wonder what he was trying to say. I wonder if there was a message within the message, but Joshua was pretty plain that it was decision time. He gets right to the point. He throws down a challenge. He makes it clear, today you will have to decide what you're going to do. I don't think that day is anything unlike the day that we live in right now. It is decision time. We have to decide what, what we are going to do, not what everybody else is going to do, but what we are going to do. We all of us, everyone in this building have peers that, that make decisions that take them to the left or to the right. And so at those times, we have to decide, what am I going to do? Our faith comes under fire. Our belief system, the core of who we are, is challenged from time to time and that's not always a bad thing. It should take us back to the book and cause us to dig a little bit deeper and find again that bedrock of absolute scriptural truth that reminds us that we are not building a house of cards here. 
We're not building something that we hope will take us through fair weather days, but we are building something here that will stand the test of time. The winds will blow, amen, things will come against us, but we are constructing something here that has a foundation. It's going to stand, it's going to stand. Some of you may know, many of you may not know that in the construction of this particular building, um, in the construction of it when after the trusses had been set and the decking was being put on, this building fell. And, uh, and so they went back to the drawing board and a man who was still uh, alive and a part of the church in Apopka uh, began to redesign. And I, I think that uh, he probably has the tendency to, uh, to be a, a very strong architect to build anyway, but uh, certainly under the cloud of a building that has recently or just now fallen to the ground, we are certainly going to put this building back up. And it's going to, if, if, you know, if 10 will do, then we're probably going to put 15. That was just kind of the premise, and I think that was something that just kind of brought a lot of security to everyone. And I said all that to say this, if the winds start blowing and this building blows down, you're in trouble. Amen, you're in trouble. As a matter of fact, we have uh, thought, thought many times when the wind starts blowing, we're gonna go to the church. I think it's always good to run to the church, but we were coming here for more than one reason. <laughs> we wanted the hand of God upon us, but we knew a little bit about the steel and the concrete and those pilasters on the outside of this church are, are not just decorative, but they're filled with concrete and steel and they're driven into the ground. It's, it's, it's designed to stand against the, test, the testing and the time. And so today we have to construct that kind of thing in our own life. We have to build those things spiritually and especially if we've ever fallen. Amen, if we've ever fallen, when we fall. Amen, Micah said, rejoice not against me. I'm gonna get back up. And every time we get back up, we realize the importance of a foundation. And we realize the areas that perhaps cause us to fall. And so we shore those things up. And so uh, now they are being called on. It's decision time. Are you going to build something substantial enough? The people can follow the God of Abraham and Isaac or Jacob this is what Joshua is saying. Or you can choose another God, but it's time to select. You're gonna to have to make up your mind. You're gonna to have to decide what you're going to do and you're gonna to have to follow that and pursue that. It's time to accept a worldview and allow the spirit of God to remake them and that is so, uh, so accurate to the day that we are living in now. Amen, because humanity doesn't change all that much. Just the names and the faces. The spirit of men that has always resided in mankind is still as alive today as it has ever been. And so I find it interesting that Joshua gives uh, three other options besides the one true God. Even though Joshua is a commander and he is accustomed to saying, you go here and you go here and you go there and you say put. He is a commander. He is a decision maker. But even though Joshua is a commander, he is a general used to giving orders. He understands that when it comes to spiritual things, a choice must be made. Amen. And so I tell you today that 
that we serve a God who is a God of choices. And we find that as far back as the Garden of Eden, he said, here is this tree and here is another tree. Amen. You're gonna have to decide what you're going to do. We're not here today under duress. We're not here today because we're trying to dodge hell or we're trying to make heaven our home necessarily. We can't comprehend either side of those spectrums, but I trust that what brought us here in this house today and what kept us this week, amen, was a desire and a passion to just be in right relationship with the Lord today. I want to read his word. I want to kneel at an altar of prayer because you see, in truth, no one can be ordered into the kingdom of God. No one can be driven there or no one can can be carried bodily, so to speak, over the threshold. We need to come of our own volition. I am here because I decided a long time ago. I believe that I'm speaking to people that made up your mind and, and to those who made up your mind, you will understand this next statement. Amen. It got a lot easier to serve God the day that we made up our mind to do that. The day that we decided, as for me and my house, we're no longer camped out on the fence. We're no longer living on the edge. We're, we're not trying to camp out by the wall, but we're gonna get into the heart of the city and see what God can do in our life. I'm preaching about decision time today. It's a path that individuals must choose and we must choose that at the expense of all other paths. And so Joshua lays it out. He gives the people three choices to make and this was the breakdown of those choices. He said, follow the old gods from beyond the river or the place where you started out, in other words. You can go all the way back in time and you can serve those gods. Or you can follow the gods that you met next in your journey and that were the gods in Egypt where you were enslaved. Or the third choice he gave them was to follow the local gods of the people that they had recently defeated by the power of the one true God. And finally, of course, he gave them the choice of serving the one true God. At first glance, it seems like this would be an obvious choice. At first glance, you would think there's no way to fail this test. Amen. But forget the details for just a moment and notice something significant about every one of these honorable, I use that word a little bit loosely, but these honorable mentions that Joshua brings to the table. Because when he talks about following the gods on the other side of the river, the place they started, or when he talks about following the gods of Egypt where they had spent so much of their life, so many generations enslaved, or when he mentioned following the local gods of the people that they had most recently conquered, amen, each of those categories that Joshua refers to has to do with a specific time and place in their life. So Joshua is not just kind of reaching back into some dark closet and pulling out something and just mentions whatever happens to be in his hand when it comes into the light. Joshua is being very specific and very intentional about the three things that he mentioned to them because all of them refer to a time 
and a place in their existence. This is, I think, significant not only to the story, but it is significant to the outcome. It's also significant because the choices they had to make were not really much different than the decisions that you and I have to make today because there are God's many in this world today. I know we think about the olden times and the Bible times and we're easy to, it's easy to get our mind around the idols of biblical times and forget about the idols of the 21st century. Amen, but they're here. There are God's many today. Amen, God's that compete for our attention. Amen, they come at, at us based on the circumstances of our everyday life. Can I tell you that based on where you are right now in your life, based on where I am right now in my life, there are God's many that are making overtures for our time and our attention, amen, for our affection. They want our heart. They want our heart, amen. And so we have, we have to make sure, that, I just wanna get it out today on the table that, that, that what I'm preaching about in Joshua is as relevant today as it was right then. Amen, we think about all these weird gods and the moon god and the sun god and you think, well, we're not worshiping that today, but we're worshiping something that is not one degree different than what Joshua is talking about here. They, they, these gods may have made a few costume changes over the years, but the categories are the same and the intention is the same. The, the motivation here is the same. And so we're gonna consider each of these options that Joshua mentions but, but first, it's important to understand the easily missed underlying assumption that could be in all of our hearts today, and that is this. Before it's over, we will all make a choice. Amen. We will all make a choice. So Joshua goes through this list, and he didn't go through the list, and then finally at the end offer this by saying, or you could just choose not to worship anything at all because that's not an option. Amen. He gave them three options of their past and one option for their present and future. He did not say, but if you don't want to be a worshiper, then you just forget about all this that I've said. And the reason he did not say that is because all of us are worshipers. Worship is hardwired into the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. It is there. Amen. We are all worshipers, Brother Gibson. Amen. It's true that every culture and in every culture, and it's true in every civilization, everyone worships. You find, as it's been stated countless times, you find the most remote jungle, village, or tribe, and they are going to be worshiping something. They're gonna be bowing down at a pile of rocks. They're gonna be worshiping a cow. They're gonna be worshiping a goat. They're gonna be worshiping the moon. They're going to be worshiping something. Amen, so the question is who or what do they worship? Amen, the question is never do they worship or did they worship? The answer to that question is always an emphatic yes, 
because man, by our very nature, mankind is a worshiper. I mean, you and I are going to worship something. Wherever we go, wherever you find yourself, you're gonna find people that have made a choice this is what we decided to do with our life. It is written into our genetic code. People everywhere are choosing their gods and they are bringing their offerings. Hear me today. Amen. They are choosing their God and they are bringing their offering. And at the end of the day, the real offering is ourself. Our heart, our passions, our time, Amen, that's at the end of the day, that's our real offering. One philosopher put it this way. He said, everyone is going to worship a God. We were created to be worshipers. Just as birds were created to fly and just like rivers were created to flow, it's what we do. We worship something. Amen, I can tell you today, if there is a spirit of doubt, if I sniff and smell a spirit of doubt in this heart, I will tell you today, let me cut you off at the past. Sir, you are kidding yourself. Ma'am, you are trying to kid yourself. We are all worshiping something. Amen, something. And so he says, the question for you is who or what? will be the object of your worship. I believe that that Joshua is having one of the most preaching, perhaps one of the most important sermons that could ever be preached. And I feel the weight of that upon my heart and my life today. I feel, I'm gonna be very honest with you, I feel ill-prepared for the burden that has been placed upon my heart. And I feel ill-prepared for the responsibility I feel placed upon my shoulders today. Amen, we have got to decide what will be the object of our worship? Amen. What are we going to do with our life? What will we do with our time? What will we do with our energy? What will we do with our talent? Because we're going to lay it at an altar somewhere. Somewhere. All of the products that are being marketed today appeal to the worshiper in us. Amen. Companies make their products sound suspiciously like miniature saviors. Just do this and it'll all be all right. Take this, it'll all be over. Just miniature saviors, redeemers. Amen. It's not a subtle message either. Every, nearly every advertisement is something like this. If you're unhappy, if you're bored, if you're depressed, buy this. This will change your world. It'll revolutionize who you are. It'll change the way you think. It'll save you from your unhappiness. It'll fill in times of boredom. It will lift you out of the valley of despair. This product is here to redeem you. It's here it's here to deliver you. Amen. The most bizarre advertisement I ever read in a magazine one day was, was an uh, appeal that you could take and, the, and the, the inscription, the heading said, lose weight while you sleep. <laughs> how, how long do you think that line was? 
Why, everybody would love to do that. No effort, no energy. You don't have to, you know, wasn't lose weight while you walk 15 miles on a treadmill. I mean, just, just lose weight while you sleep. I mean, just be morphed right back in uh, to a young lady or a young man again. Eat at this restaurant. Amen. This will, this will, this will touch places on your palate that have never been massaged. Drive this car. It'll fix all of your ills. Take this vacation. Go to this spot. Go here. It'll change and revolutionize your life. I'm telling you that advertisement today is appealing. I, I know that we're trying to tie two worlds together, but I'm trying to do that on, on purpose. Amen. This is appealing to the worshiper in us. You go here, do this, wear this, and it will change how you walk. It'll change how you talk because advertisers understand that we are made to worship. And so they make use of that. So life presents us infinite choices. So many options with one exception and that is the option to opt out. You can't opt out of worship because we're worshipers. And so we're going to worship something. There's no box in this equation that says none of the above. Joshua just simply ends his sermon and says, pick one. Amen. I I don't know what your mind envisions when you read this passage of scripture. I'm sure that all of us view this differently, but I just felt like in my heart and have felt many times in my heart that when Joshua finished his sermon, it was just decision time. Amen. You choose, you pick one. You can't just turn and walk away. I can almost see one family, one father kind of turn to his wife and nod and gather up their children and start walking away as though the sermon's over, church is over, we're just gonna go back peacefully home and and Joshua says, hold it, sir, hold it. You can't leave until you decide. You've gotta cast your lot. You can't just walk away from this like we walk away from a lot of things. Can I tell you with a heavy heart today, amen, I watch service after service after service, the word of God go forth, the mercy of God go forth, and when it's all over, we walk away from this building like we're walking out of some place that was an hour of entertainment, amen, we walk away as though nothing happened, and I believe God is saying, hold it, Hold it, you have got to decide. Can I tell you that when you walk away unaffected, when we walk away unmoved, when we walk away unimpressed, we are deciding. We are deciding. (laughs) This past Wednesday night, we heard as good a message as you will ever hear as Brother Herndon stood behind this very desk and implored us by the mercy of God to evolve into what God is wanting us to be. Even if that requires us stepping out of our comfort zone, if that requires us moving into an area that doesn't just fit us hand and glove. And so when we say, you know, ah, that's not for me, it's decision time. You just made your decision, amen. But can I tell you that you are not 
you do not, I do not have the option to say none of the above. When we turn and walk away, we are deciding that I'm gonna worship at the altar of myself. I'm gonna worship at the altar of my own calendar, my own clock, my own likes, my own dislikes. And he's not the catalyst for this sermon, so don't try to let the air out of his tires before you leave here today. But he affirmed what was in the heart of this pastor. Amen, it's decision time. In our modern way of thinking, we associate worship with just religion. We think that worship has something to do with prayer or it must have something to do with prayer, praise, and preaching. Some suppose that anything outside of the perimeter of those things really really isn't applicable. They assume that the question of what what God they worship doesn't really apply to them, but it applies to all of us. All of us. The problem, of course, is misunderstanding what worship is. If a person is a member of the human race and we come fully equipped with mind and body and emotions, then that individual is, in fact, a worshiper. If you live in this world, sooner or later, you are going to grow some assumptions concerning what your life is all about and what you should be reaching for. When you begin to align your life with that pursuit, then whether or not we realize it, we are worshiping. And sometimes we put a whole lot of things ahead of God. A whole lot of things ahead of God. The scripture says that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God made this commitment. If you will put me first, I will add everything else that you ever need in your life. I will take care of those things. If you will just put me first, But you see, we are so concerned and consumed with making our own way and doing it our way. We are consumed with the idea that we've got this and I can take care of that, amen. And so God is saying, if you will just put me first, can I tell you, amen, you'd be a whole lot better off in the house of God than working a few more hours of overtime and missing church. Amen, we'd be a whole lot further down the road to say, you know what, I gotta gotta start winding all this up. It's time to get to the house of God. I'm gonna put... God first. Well, what about the real money that we're going to miss out on? It takes money to live in this world and pay my bills and to do this. Yes, 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 and yes. But the Lord said, if you will just put me first, I'll take care of all of those other things. I am not losing touch with reality today. I'm just trying to tell us that somewhere God and church and somewhere prayer and the word of God has become secondary. It's way down the list and we think, that because we're doing this, we're not worshiping these other things, but I'm telling you that when we bow down at the altar of our own flesh, then our flesh has become our God. Amen. When we bow down at the altar of all of these other things, that becomes our God. Amen. And so we become a worshiper. So what human beings do, we are worshipers. Let me ask you, how many breathers we got here? Just curious. 
Any eaters? Drinkers? Any thinkers? Just that naturally. And just that hardwired. We're worshipers. We call it worship service. So we kind of boils down the mindset that we only worship in the first part of our service while the music is playing and the songs are being sang. We're only worshiping when our hands are raised, eyes are closed, our lips are moving. But I submit to you today on the way out the door, we're worshiping. When we walk in our house, we're worshipers. You don't stop breathing when you leave here. You don't stop thinking when you leave here. Amen, we are a worshiper. We are a worshiper. We identify things we want, both good and bad, and then we make sacrifices to get them. Am I right or wrong? Amen. We see something we want. We see something we desire to purchase. Amen, my wife and I see something that we want. And, and so we, we figure out what kind of plan this is gonna take. If it's a big purchase, then we realize if we're gonna do that, then we probably need to uh, cut back over here and we probably need to try to get this thing paid off or that thing paid down. And, and so we, we make sacrifices. That's a biblical term, isn't it? Amen, we make sacrifices because we are trying to get ourselves in a line with something that we want and you're no different. I could use you as an example today by the same token. When you see something you want, you start making sacrifices to get it. Amen, and so I, I pray that God would help us to see some spiritual things that we want and say, you know what? It's time for sacrifice. Somebody build an altar. Amen, somebody light a fire. I need to make some sacrifices here and put some things on the altar and I need to let some things get consumed before God Almighty. Amen. From the time we're born we are introduced to milk. We are forever pursuing those very things that we think will satisfy our appetites. When a child, just a newborn infant, is introduced to milk, it's not very long, just a couple of hours, in some cases maybe or even less, before they start crying again. They can't pronounce milk. They can't spell milk. They don't even know what it is. Amen, but they think if I could just have that again, it would satisfy. But you know what? It will satisfy just for a moment, and they'll fall off asleep again. Amen, peacefully and wistfully asleep again, but it won't be long until something gnaws, something turns, something stirs, and they're gonna be crying again. And you know what? We just get more polished at it, but we never stop doing the same thing. We get our hands on something we think this is gonna satisfy. And for a little while, we wistfully go off into that area and think everything's gonna be all right. But in time, something starts gnawing again because we can't be satisfied. Amen. I say, Lord, help us to realize that our life is shaped by what we desire the most. Amen. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Our lives are shaped by the very things we desire the most. We each make the choice to worship, but then at some point, we discover that the choice makes us. We make a choice to worship, but in time, in time, that choice makes us. It starts massaging and 
forming and molding and it makes us what we are. And so when you see someone who is a solid child of God, I'm talking about their foot's on the rock, their heart is planted. Hear me today, that didn't happen overnight. That's not the end result of one sermon. That's not the end result of one song. That's not the end result of one camp meeting or one revival. Amen. But that was the end result of choices that they made. Amen. They made the choice and now the choices they made are making them. Amen. They are molding them and forming them. I love what Joshua is saying and the confidence. I don't think he even had to take time to clear his throat or figure out what he was going to say. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. It is decision time. It is decision time for the young. It is decision time for the middle aged. It is decision time for the elderly. Amen. Why? Because the gods never stop coming. Amen. The gods of this world never take a day off. The gods of this world never say, I give in, I give up. Amen. The gods of this world are going to keep coming. They're going to keep driving. And so I say, it's not just just decision time when you're 18. It's not just decision time when you're 20, but it's decision time when you're 35. It's decision time when you're 50. It's decision time when you're 70 or you're 80. Why? Because this world is filled with gods that are bidding for our time and attention. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Praise God. It is the one choice that all other choices are motivated by. When you put God first every other choice starts falling in line with that choice. Amen. And so Joshua is speaking to all of us when he says, choose this day or choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Otherwise, if you don't choose, you'll just passively flow into some choice a little bit at a time. Because if you don't decide and set your feet and set your life, life will make that decision for you. And so you'll just get caught in the current, subtle current of everyday life. Until you find yourself inside of a temple, so to speak, figuratively, worshiping a God that you never consciously chose. With fear and trembling in my spirit today, I I say to you, I have met so many people who said, I don't even know how I got here. I do. Because when you fail to choose, life chooses for you. And you just ever so slightly fall into the flow And life takes you where it wants you to be. Amen. So, choose you this day. There are, as one writer said, four points on a compass 
and Joshua brings four points to the table. Joshua calls the people to choose. And, and, and I don't think uh, irrationally he gives them four options. One writer suggests that if we look at these four options as four points on a compass, or we should at least look at them as four points on a compass, because they're going to take you to the decision that you make is going to take you in that direction. It will. Because whatever you choose is going to lead you in a different direction than others. A lot is at stake because the choice you make will ultimately determine where you wind up. You're going to have to make a decision as early as you leave this parking lot today. Unless you don't mind your car getting scratched up, you can't go straight because you're going to go through a barbed wire fence if you do that. So when you pull out to the edge of our parking lot, you're going to have to decide, am I going left or am I going right? And whatever direction you decide, that's, that's where you're going. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence today, but it's just that simple. Toby, Brother Toby and I were coming home from a church service Thursday night and we were caught up talking and, uh, and, and I turned on the wrong road. And I didn't realize it until we were a good ways out of town and um, in the town that we were in. And so we kind of got to joking. I'm glad that we, I just happened to notice a gas station on the corner. And I was on that road just a few days ago and I didn't think they could build a station that big in just such few days. (laughs) Because my first thought was, well, that's a new station. And then my other thought was, hey, bozo. You may be on the wrong road. And I was on the wrong road. And so the only thing you can do when you're going the wrong way is turn around. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord prevailing upon us today to turn around. I want to make one point, and then we're going to one point that has several points in it, in case you're counting. But Joshua 24 and 14 The scripture says, you know what? I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here. Let's all stand and uh, I'll finish it up in the second service. Amen. That'll give everybody a chance to be here. It'll also give me a chance to preach at 3 o'clock this afternoon. (laughs) You've You few spiritual people just scared the thunder out of the carnal people. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Amen. Let's lift our hands and ask God to touch this word to our heart. Lord, I'm asking you today to touch me. Anoint my mind and my heart. I'm asking you for a favor today again. I'm asking you, Lord, to help not only me, but help us as a church to bridge the gap that would stand between these services. And I'm asking you, Lord... As we enter into a season of praise and worship that when we come back to this word, I pray, God, that this word will be relevant again in our heart and in our minds. 
and help us, God, to keep continuity in this thought. Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna take a praise break right here. We're gonna worship you and we're gonna magnify you in song. We're gonna worship you in music. We're gonna worship you in giving. We're gonna worship you in bringing our prayer and supplication and bringing our needs before you and praying for the sick. God, we're gonna trust you. But I'm telling you, God, if your will be done today, we're gonna come back to this scripture and I'm gonna ask you to help us carry on. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Now, I, I didn't do this on purpose. I just thought of this this very, very second. The very first time our son went to camp meeting, youth camp, Sunday school camp, we were hoping he would stay the whole week, but we weren't sure. Just like your children, the first year camp. And so Monday night, we asked him, are you going to be able to do this? He goes, oh, I'm staying. And I was kind of curious as to why he was so sure he was staying. He said, I'm staying till Thursday, which was the last night. He said, because the preacher said, there's going to be a mystery speaker Thursday. I'm staying. Amen. There's not going to be a mystery speaker in the second service, but would you have that kind of determination? I'm staying. Amen. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.